look briefly at some verses from Mark 10. If you'd like to turn your Bibles for study, we'll be in Mark 10, uh, verses 13 through 16. When I was in the seventh grade, I got my first real job. In our small town, we had a weekly local paper, and our neighbor Rufus oversaw the delivery and asked if I wanted to be a newspaper girl. Yes, I did, because my brothers had a paper route, and of course, I wanted to be like them. I was so excited, and my friends thought I was crazy giving up an afternoon to do this, as I had to fold the papers and then put them in the canvas bag in the front and then the back, and then, you know, kind of uh, balance myself on my bike. I didn't have a banana bike anymore. I had a real bike, and so I had to balance myself. I wish I had a picture to show you, because it was such a riot. Oh, and they couldn't be thrown in the driveway like a regular paper. They had to be porched. My dad said I was building character. Now, there's a funny aspect to this job. The newspaper was thrown for free, and then the teenagers who delivered them had to go door to door to ask the, quote, subscribers if they wanted to pay for it. Now, this was kind of a hard sell, and some people were impatient with the process, although there were others who were happy to pay because they loved the paper or because they understood small towns. But sometimes I just couldn't do it. There were some houses that I just avoided because the people were mean or because, you know, it was kind of creepy or I don't know. So one day I was on my collection day and Rufus came to see me and he said, young lady, you have to go to all the houses. You can't just avoid some that you don't want to go to. This is how you get paid and I get paid and how the newspaper stays in business. You have to do your job. Now, I was embarrassed because I knew that he was right. This was what I'd signed up for, and I wasn't doing it like I was supposed to. This was the first time a boss had ever been stern with me, but of course, it was not my last time. Over the years, like all of us, I have received my share of sit-down talks where conversation was needed. Who likes to be reprimanded? Nobody. In our lives, though, this will happen many times. Mostly for good reason. Sometimes it may be unfair. We may feel like it's not appropriate. But even in those moments, we can find something that we need to learn. It's needed sometimes as a way to bring change to behavior that isn't acceptable. This is how we grow. We've been talking a lot about the disciples whom we see as frustratingly familiar because we can easily hold up a mirror to their behavior and see ourselves in them. Today they are corrected by the Lord. And I want us to think about that in our own lives because it's one thing to be talked to by a human authority, a boss, a parent, a teacher, but it's another for our souls to be convicted by the truth that God wants to give us. The ability to feel conviction is one of the characteristics that make us unique as humans. We are created in the image of God with a conscience and the ability to grow like the one who made us. So hear the word of the Lord from Mark 10, 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. 
Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Today, we're going to keep it simple. A main message from this passage is this. Jesus corrects the disciples in order for the children to know he loves them, thus elevating their role to everyone present. So I want us to think about two lessons Jesus is teaching from this passage, which come directly from his reprimand. The first idea is that children should never be hindered from knowing God. The second idea is how we must receive the kingdom as a child. We want to use the scripture to bridge our own lives, being open to what correction the Lord might bring to us. Jesus is in the region of Judea, headed to Jerusalem. Mark doesn't give us much context for what's happening here. People clearly have heard that Jesus is around, and so they bring their children so that he would bless them. This would have been common for families to ask rabbis to lay their hands on their children. We do this today. As pastors, we try to meet a baby as soon as we can after it's been born so that we can give the Lord thanks for their life by praying over them and praying for their parents. People want God to bless their children. There's something that happens in us when we have a baby When we have responsibility for this new life, there's an understanding that it's a miracle to have a child, but also what a big job it is. Like everything else, what we have been given is a gift from the Lord. So we bring our children and we say, Lord, please bless, please protect, please bring guidance and joy for their future. You who see all of their life, God, Don't let them have their spirits crushed. God, please protect them. Please give them joy for the future, that they will know you and love you and commit their lives to serve you with gladness. We understand why these parents were coming for a divine touch over these young ones whose lives were just beginning. But the disciples are done with it. They're, for some reason, they're over it. So they try to stop the parents from coming. In verse 13, The phrase spoke sternly really means rebuke. The disciples were rebuking these parents with sharp disapproval because they're bothering Jesus. No, we understand that maybe the Lord needed to move on. All of us um, have been in situations where we wanted to talk to somebody, but they didn't have time. Some of us understand this from Disneyland when we're waiting in a long line to see a character and we get up there and the handler says, well, it's time for their break. And so you can't see them, but this isn't what this is. The disciples are basically telling the adults who brought the children go home. This should not be happening. Now, anytime those who speak for the Lord shut out those who want to come to him, it's not appropriate. Seeking God is for everyone. But this can be a tension in the church where sometimes those who are inside try to manage who can come in and who can't. Here, it is children. And sometimes adults can think that God is mostly for them. And sacred work is above those who can't understand it. The disciples know they have an important task in front of them. They know they're going to Jerusalem, that the Father is going to do something big. 
So maybe they just don't think that there should be a parade of children coming to Jesus. They have bigger work to do. Do the disciples, we wonder, think that Jesus is really annoyed by these little ones? That he won't take the time to love them and listen to them and lay his hands on them and bless them? God is never too busy or impatient. Sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, this isn't a really big request. I don't really want to bother God. God is not bothered. God is not bothered by his children when they come to him and say, Lord, I need your help. It might seem small in the big scale of everything going on, but Lord, I need you. As worshipers and followers of Christ, we speak for him. And so Jesus gets mad. Because the disciples were using their position. You see, they got to have access to Jesus all the time. They got to talk to him all the time about what it was that they were thinking about. They got to receive his blessing. And they were excluding those who also wanted to know him. This is the exact opposite of what they should be doing. And children especially should be welcome. Because they, these are important patterns that are set early in their lives. So Jesus brings a stinging chastisement to the disciples. And I was thinking how children understand what it means to be reprimanded. They're used to it from the authority figures in their lives. So here, children get to see Jesus reprimanding adults on their behalf. He is correcting the adults for them. And empowering them. And I was thinking, man, their whole lives, I bet they thought of that. How Jesus stood up for them and said, no, I want to see them. This is an important lesson. That we must stand up for children when we see they're not treated well. Or that they're being denied access to know God's love in some form. So then the passage makes us think about what might make Jesus indignant today with regards to children. And we think about the hundreds of thousands of abortions each year. The widespread abuse of children, especially from those who are called to lead his body. Children starving worldwide for food, basic needs, and education. How children are separated from their parents due to political oppression, but also because of chaos in their own home. How children are used for gain in grotesque ways in human trafficking. The inequality for how children are treated in schools, for how some children are afraid of living in their house, even in their neighborhood because of gunshots, how easily accessible drugs and alcohol are for them, how they're given too much freedom before they're old enough to handle it, how some children aren't even taught to respect authority, how some are over-controlled by their parents, how children are allowed to be more important than God. In some of their families. So Jesus' anger here is because children are being hurt and he is hurting for them. God uses his people, his church, to bring correction to these social ills in the world today. So how is he how is he using you to bring hope to a child in this season? Secondly, Jesus is adamant that the kingdom belongs to ones such as children. Jesus is correcting the disciples on how children should be treated because of how God values them. There are two ways to read verse 15 here, and we're going to discuss both. The first way to read this is the more traditional way. 
The kingdom of God belongs to children, and we should become like a child to enter in. And as we consider this and as we think about this, we think about how children receive. And our best words to describe that might be, they receive with trust and joy and wonder and creativity and innocence and obedience and spontaneity. And when we hear these words, we wonder if those aren't the same words that we would use to describe the kingdom to which they belong. But the point here is not to make children a perfect ideal that we have to become, because we know also that children are cranky and willful and stubborn and difficulty. They say no a lot. But do you know what they are that makes the most sense here? They are themselves. They don't act like they have sophistication. They don't act more important than anybody else. They don't want you to think they have it all together. They don't filter what they're going to say. They don't care about how messy they are or how imperfect they are. They come up into Jesus' arms, not worrying what others think. Knowing that he wants them there, that they are loved. They are who they are with him. This is an important lesson for all of us. That when we come to the Lord, we come to him and say, I can relax in God's presence. God knows exactly who I am. I don't have to pretend. Jesus wants us to welcome him and he wants to welcome us as we are. Now, Jesus is telling the disciples who brought rebuke that they themselves should be more like children. Instead of being the guards at the gate, worried about who gets to come in, they should be more like those they are trying to oust. Just like with Mary and Martha, Jesus is encouraging one to be more like the other. In the kingdom, there is one ruler. Those who follow God have to learn to submit to the one in charge. This is another thing most children know how to do. The second way to read verse 15 also makes good sense. The Greek noun for little child here could mean what we just talked about, or it could mean this. Receive the kingdom like you would receive a child. So we've talked in the last few weeks about how children have the lowest ranking in society where Jesus lived. There was nothing to gain for you to be nice to one. There was nothing to gain for you to spend time with them because it doesn't make you look better and it doesn't increase your status. So then Jesus is saying, welcoming the kingdom is like embracing a child. This is a principle we know well. God's power is best known through weakness. The first will be last. The last will be first. The greatest one is the one who serves. Jesus is saying that the life he offers is not honored in the world. Just like children can be disregarded as not important, many, many overlook the kingdom that he came to give. And so when we welcome his life, like he welcomes children, we have found the right way. Jesus ends his correction by stating plainly that if we don't do these things, then we don't find the kingdom. This is because it is impossible to hold the kingdom and our own selfish gain in the same hands. 
His death on the cross gives everyone the opportunity to enter. But if we can't get past our own self-centeredness, if we can't hold, get past what we want to hold on here, then we won't choose to enter it. So then we think about those in our lives who don't understand the kingdom. And we pray for them. And we ask that we might show what the kingdom looks like to them. As this passage affirms children, may you feel God's love deeply for you as his child. We rejoice in how God seeks to protect the precious lives that he has made. And I want you to think about a time that the Lord has recently brought correction to you. How did he do that? What did you do with what he said to you? What insight does he have for you today? You see, when we receive the kingdom, we're really receiving him. So I encourage you to take time with him now, being who you are, being yourself, as he seeks to bless you. Let us pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.